Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Yeah, he, he's not interested in toning it down ever for any reason. <laughs> he pimped the crap out of that one. <laughs> having to watch four games at once and then like you know barricade your your door shut i mean i guess it has to be a triple because they didn't give him an error but really did he really earn third base there (laughs) (laughs) and welcome to artificial turf wars episode number 30 where we're practicing a home run trot on our hands I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I'm joined tonight by Josh Housem. Josh, what's up? Man, just doing a little podcast, which hey, I guess is real obvious. <laughs> we should do one together. Um, all right, let's talk about the Blue Jays. We are going to talk about Estrada's performance, Edwin's big numbers, the crazy atmosphere in Seattle, the fact that this team has trapped itself in a paper bag and cannot hit its way out. We have an interview with Team Jaffe, uh, with Jay Jaffe. If you are not interested, <laughs> Team Jaffe, we are not. If you are not interested in cheering with for the Blue Jays anymore for some strange reason, we have a different team that you're going to want to cheer for. I promise, it is not a Major League Baseball team. Uh, we got a couple questions from you, and uh, and then it kind of all dissolves into chaos as we have a couple notable things around baseball this week. So, sir, I believe the record is four and three on the road trip. Am I? Yeah. No, you're right. It was actually a winning week. Yeah, but not winning enough, really, um, to to make up a lot of ground. Uh, so that leaves the Jays looking like the division is darn near impossible. Oh yeah, I mean, by the end of the time, by by the time we finish recording this podcast, yeah, they're going to be five games out of first. It's it's not happening. All of that build up to august where they tied it up and now it's like all right let's get that home game for the wild card yeah the thing is they were building up catching baltimore it wasn't even the red sox Uh, and i guess that true talent level the red sox is finally shaken out as they play baltimore and make mincemeat out of yeah i mean i think that like with boston they're just playing it they can't do anything wrong right now they've won well it's going to be seven in a row it's five one in the ninth and they just don't look like they could be beaten, really, at the moment. I mean, obviously, that's not the case. You know, they came. The Yankees had three run leads in all four games in the series and got swept. 
that's really hard to do. Yeah, that's that's even the Jays would have trouble doing that. Usually, there's some kind of uh, bullpen that shows up in one of the games to keep you in it, right? You'd think so, right? Uh, but as well, we have some illusions later on with Jay Jaffe about the problems with the Yankee bullpen, which is it doesn't it no longer features the two most prized that possessions that uh, it had in it at the beginning of the year. And Joe Girardi, I think, still thinks it does. Yeah, and I lied. It was three out of the four games, but still, they oh, had three wow. run leads in three out of four games and it got swept. Um, but back to the Blue Jays. I guess we'll start yeah. with the highlights. Uh, Marco Estrada is. Well, he can be back. I don't know if I want to say he's back after one great start, but that was a great start. Yeah, I mean, that was as good as he can be, right? I mean, that was, you know, he was pinpoint with his fastball, which helped his changeup play up, and then he's using his curveball. Well, he was just on, completely on. No hitter into the sixth, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, just he was the, the first batter of the seventh who singled Cano, right? Yeah. So the, the other thing is... No, I, uh, was it Cano who got the hit? I feel like it was Cano. Oh, it might have been. Just, yeah, but yeah, so they yeah, have no, no, that deep. It's just really, really nice to see. It was interesting that he was perfect through, was it four full in Tampa? And then the wheels just completely fell off, and he gave up, whatever, five straight hits and got well, pulled. He, against Tampa at home, he struck out the first five batters of the game. <laughs> and then after the three innings, it just fell off. It was very strange. So I wonder, it is... Is Marco's injury something that he was aggravating as the game went on at pitching at max effort? That's just a guess, but maybe he really is feeling better, and now he can he can go further into the game without whatever it is the back tightening up or or um, starting to hurt him, and that's why why he's always seemed to be pretty strong at the start of a game and really faded fast, whereas he he hung around really nicely in Seattle. The only downside is yeah. it's it's Seattle. How good are they? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, well, they're still only, I think, three games back of the Blue Jays. But I, I think it's more to it than what you just said, because it wasn't just, you know, the, the ability to keep it up. But he was also just throwing harder than he'd been throwing of, of late. And, and that's a big difference with Marco Estrada, right? Yeah. Even those two or three miles an hour are still an important two or three miles an hour, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, it, it certainly could be a factor just because he, he did definitely sustain things better. And that's going to be important if the Jays get into this playoff series as opposed to this coin flip thing that they're headed towards right now. Because you're going to need <laughs> an effective Marco Estrada. Uh, of the big three, Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, and Edwin Encarnacion, by far the most consistent over the past month has been Edwin Encarnacion, and he had himself a wonderful weekend in, well, a wonderful week in Seattle. Wow. You Seems just like, like I thought, when you said the big three, I just assumed you were still talking about the pitching. <laughs> it was one heck of a non segue there. You criticized my segues. You criticized my non segues. Look, I just like to criticize. You should know this by I've now. I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, Edwin is having a, a, a quietly, I guess, incredible season. Yep. It's quiet, and it it still has forty. Did he hit his forty third? I no, he's at forty two still. Forty two, which is ties his career high. It doesn't yeah. feel like if he's got eleven games left to go potentially, 
And he's 12 RBI career of his career high. <laughs> clear of his career, career high. high. But that, that's easier to do when you have Josh Donaldson batting in front of you all year and getting on base for, for most of that period of time and Jose Bautista batting in front of you for a good chunk of the year. Not to say, though, that he hasn't... Like uh, he had last year all season? <laughs> I don't, but he didn't have as good a season. I, I just mean, as soon as your numbers improve, if you're Edwin, your spot in the batting order should put you well clear of 120 RBI. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can really agree with that. I mean, he leads the league, so it's not like it's, it's just like, oh, everybody does that when they're hitting there with good lineups. But, um, you know, he, his batting average, his on-base, and his slugging are actually all down from last year. Which is strange. His strikeouts are way up. Actually, he's he, right now he has 132 strikeouts, which is 30 more than his previous career high. And I wonder, is it just because everybody's striking out? There definitely is. As we had, what, two, three weeks ago, that conversation about strikeouts. There is something to this whole thing that nobody's really figured out. Because it's yeah. like it just nobody cares about striking out anymore because they can be productive hitters while they strike out like madmen. And that's fine. Although it is strange to see such a huge jump from one season to the next, while still everything else is still right on par. He's still a monster hitter. Like we said, 42 home runs and 123 BI, 33 doubles. He's just have, and you know, he's walked 75 times. He's having another great year. And he's a free agent, and it's scary. <laughs> um, yeah, Josh Donaldson not, not looking quite like J.D., well, since the three homer game is where everyone draws the line, but also since coming back from his hip problem, I obviously he's not one hundred percent, and that's going to be a problem for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I don't know what to, like, with him. I mean, he he came back off the well, he didn't go on the DL off his three game hiatus, and when he got on base, eight of his first nine plate appearances looked great, and you know he hit a home run in that game when everybody hit home runs, but. <laughs> Yeah, he he hasn't looked that great, and he he was looked really shaky defensively. I mean, he, his errors cost the team the game tonight. So Which they're is, definitely gonna need him yeah. to be healthy going forward. So of the of the big three, we're left with Jose Bautista, who certainly has found the drama again. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. He he does have a, a bit of a flair for the dramatic, doesn't he? <laughs> he he he's um he's what opposing fans tend to describe him as. Kind of a showboater. If you didn't if you had any doubts, uh his backwards moonwalk home run trot uh was enough to make you think that yeah, yeah, he he's not interested in toning it down ever for any reason. <laughs> he Pimped the crap out of that one. <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, it was a game-tying home run in the ninth against one of the nastiest relievers in the game, but still so great. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's I remember his hop, skip, and a jump after uh, off of Darren O'Day in Baltimore two years ago. That was that was quite expressive, but this was kind of a leisurely stroll slash backwards walk halfway to fr- I, 
I don't know. I'm not capturing it. Go watch the highlight. You can't miss it. Uh, it's just brilliant. Maybe he was inspired by the fans in the ballpark who made him think he was in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, that was absolutely nuts. I mean, the, the Jays fans always go down to Seattle. Mm-hmm. But that this, I've never seen it like that. It, I mean, I, I was having a hard time finding Mariners fans. Yeah, yeah. Like, you would look at shots of the crowd, and it didn't matter where they took shots of the crowd. That was not Mariner Teal. That was Blue Jay Blue everywhere. And they show the side videos of Russell Martin's home run. And it's like the entire crowd is rising. <laughs> Wait, where was this game again? Uh, yeah, I did like the guy with the signs up that he uh, they, they found him on Twitter. But as well, the Sportsnet broadcast found him. Uh, uh, Stanley Cup since whatever date USA 22 Canada zero. Um we, we rake and compost your national symbol. There's no point to bag milk. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite part, though, was all the, the, the Seattle writers. It's like, it's like, oh, what's wrong with this? They should do this. They should do that. They should ban tickets to Canadian fans. Yeah. And have 10,000 people there in a pennant race. Uh, it, just everybody losing their minds over the fact that it was all Jays fans. There was some sort of existential kind of angst coming out of Lookout Landing as well. I read that article about, like, does the city even care? And I'm like, ah, guys, would you go back and look at film of the crowd for a Red Sox-Jays game at the Dome in 2009? And you find me who's cheering louder more often. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, at that point, that it did, I'm sure the people in Toronto also said, oh, does anybody in this city care? Well, the difference is they weren't in a pennant race. I think that if if Seattle the, didn't have the big swoon that it had in the middle of this season, I think it would have been a different story with those tickets. Maybe, but they also went on a big winning streak before this, and this was the biggest series of the season for them. I... I, I hear you. I just think that the the Toronto's had a lot more time to build that momentum. Whereas I don't know if Seattle was expecting to have a competitive team. Yeah, Apparently I mean, I guess. Not, I mean, I'm, it, I'm not one to agree with that just because of what we happened happened with the Jays last year. But it's not, I'm not here to rag on the Seattle people. I'm not. just it's, it's here to congratulate the B Western Canadians for doing this. Uh, those people deserve credit for making the trip because it, although it is a shorter than the trip to Toronto, uh, it is certainly a a journey to cross the border just to go see a baseball game. So that's pretty cool. And the, my, I liked how it was clearly getting in the heads of the Seattle players too. See <laughs> Felix after he walked off the mound. No. So this is my house. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, but. Yeah, for a few days, you have a lot of guests. Uh, <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. So the Jays had that one eight-run inning where nothing could go wrong. And if you subtract that one inning out of the Seattle series, they continue to do jack with the bats. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the the thing that got somewhat masked when you look. It's like, oh, they were four and three on the trip, including you know, taking two of three against a team that was right behind them in the standings. Yeah, they still can't hit. 
they're they're 12 for 58 on the road trip with runners in scoring position with 13 strikeouts and four double pl- ground and double plays. They, I mean, they they scored zero runs against Ricky in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I, I, this should just be me, the sound of me banging my head on my desk. Yeah, well, please <laughs> feel free to do that for our listeners. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they won the first two games. They scored five runs in each of them, but they st- Actually, they scored seven runs in the first one, but they didn't score anything until late off the relief, the crappy Angels relievers, which is we talked about this last podcast. When the Jays throw out their middle relievers, they suck and they can't keep the game close. The Jays couldn't score against the starters, but they hit the middle relievers. Indeed. And when, when confronted with the all but two members of the Seattle bullpen, they had similar problems. Yeah, I mean, in the first game, they won 3-2. Home run being, you know, the two run home for Martin, and then today they lost two to one. They had was it the ninth or the or the tenth when they had second uh, runner on third, one out, didn't score, and then the next thing they had first and second, nobody out, didn't score. There they uh, struck out and then hit into a double play. That was nice. It was tidy. It was Blue Jays twenty sixteen in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still yeah, just, get us out just, of here? Yeah, it just hasn't been what people expected from this offense at any point. I mean, every time it seems like, okay, that game, great. They're going to break out, and then they score one run. It was Felix Hernandez, but he wasn't his best. Well, Felix Hernandez isn't Felix Hernandez of of yore, right? It, it's, again, you said it. They, they didn't score against Ricky Nolasco. Certainly, they're not going to make Felix Hernandez look mortal and I don't think I think again all the Jays do is wait to see if they come out of it in time for the playoffs you know you do you just hope that the Red Sox can't do no wrong uh, streak ends before the end of the season before we get into the postseason I don't know yeah I mean well So, so uh, we we were talking about this before we recorded. I was like, well, at this point, I'm just hoping like the Red Sox just win out. Obviously, not when they play the Jays, but I don't want that because if they, if they win out until they face the Jays, they'll have a better record than Texas, and I don't want any part of the Red Sox in round one if the Jays get through the wild card. Not that Texas is the team that you want to play, since they seem to have the blessed one run win luck that the Orioles had four years ago, or whatever you call it. Yeah, but then with the Orioles that ran out once they got to the postseason. I, I'm not worried about that. I mean, the Texas Rangers have a very good team, but I don't think they're nearly as good as Boston. I'm glad we can still talk about this as a, as a realistic problem to have, is which team you want to face in the playoffs. I'm glad of that. It's, hey, it's a, playoff tickets went on sale today. Hey. Clearly. <laughs> and, and they're very optimistic. Last year... They went on sale for the first round all at once. And then once they looked like they were going to get through, okay, they released ALCS tickets and then released World Series. Today, ah, you can buy through the World Series if you want. <laughs> we're going to make it. No problem. Uh, I, it, I can only think that they've uh, cleared up any of the technical problems they had with their refunding scheme from last year. And that now they know that they can uh, they'll, they'll rake it in now, pack the place, and uh, and not have to worry about missing a refund later. Yeah. 
It no, does I mean, presumptive. <laughs> I, I think this is the way that every other team does it. Last year's system was really kind of a joke. Like, why? What is the point of releasing them like that? Mm. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're expecting to sell out anyway, you certainly don't build any buzz by holding back or creating a, a perception of scarcity about the second round tickets, possibly. Just, yeah, just... and if you throw them up there all at once, you let more people get a chance to get tickets because you can only get one game at a time, mm. right? It's like you have to pick and choose. Like, hey, what do I want? But otherwise, you can make it to the same people keep getting the tickets every game. So since we're talking playoffs, I think now would probably be a good time to talk about just uh, how much fun we can have getting to the playoffs and how many different teams are still in play. We're going to talk to Jay Jaffe about that and about a little concept that he came up with a few years ago called Team Entropy and why mm, you might want to cheer for them as well as your Blue Jays. Joined tonight by Jay Jaffe of SI.com. How are you doing tonight, Jay? Hey, pretty good. Welcome back to Artificial Turf Wars. Uh, we normally talk to you about the New York Yankees, um, but we're going to talk to you about something different tonight. The playoff picture is just about solidified, uh, and you are the purveyor of, of the, how shall I put it, the champion of team entropy in a situation like this, where it's possible for a lot of things to happen with a couple of wild cards in play and would you just want to go into what the team entropy idea where that came from yeah you know i was i was a biology major in college and i took uh four semesters of chemistry and and uh uh always uh uh mindful of my sciences so entropy is is a tendency of a system to a system to uh uh, head towards chaos and and i think when you're talking about the the playoff races in the wild card era uh, i think as much chaos as possible is is the preferable way to go um, you know, yes, you can argue that uh, uh, the problem with the wild card format is it shifts uh, focus away from the, the the first and second best teams in in the division uh, or the league to uh, the fourth and fifth best teams. But uh, when you wind up with all these impossible scenarios or seemingly impossible scenarios, these massive ties, uh, tiebreakers, and things like that, it gets to be pretty fun. So you know, if your team is in it, you're rooting for your team. But if you don't really have a dog in the hunt. Uh, you're rooting for chaos, and you're, which means you're on team entropy. Um, that's what this is about. And uh, you know, over the last few weeks of every season, I try to lay out the the, the, the scenarios uh, with an eye towards the baseball uh, prospectus playoff odds and and uh, the remaining schedules and uh, uh, the official tiebreaker formats, and just try to explain to people what's at stake as as things get uh, get tight down the stretch. So then, things for you know for team entropy are sort of looking pretty good right now, right? Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, I think the problem right now is the division races are are, are all duds. I think we came into today with uh, uh, the closest race at like four and a half games or five games, whatever the AL East was at the start of the day. Um, and uh, that's just, you know, with, with with 12 days to go in the season, that's that's nothing, uh, you know, to write. There's nothing impressive here. So but we do have both wild card uh uh, races are wide open in the NL. We've got three teams that were in a dead tie today uh, coming in, and in the AL, you've still got six teams that are alive, um, of which the Blue Jays uh, they came into the day with the lead, uh, followed by the Orioles, the Tigers, the Astros, the the Mariners, and the and the Yankees. And now with uh, Seattle's win over Toronto, 
uh, those top five teams, all but the Yankees, are separated by three games top to bottom. So um, this is looking like uh, it could be pretty fun for the last uh, 12 days here. No, well, and then over in the NL, too, you had the, the three-way tie as of yesterday for, for the one wild card spot, right? Well, yeah, well, for the two spots, yes. But, you know, it's a game of musical right. chairs where somebody's going to be very, very sad there. You got the Mets and the Cardinals and the uh, uh, and the Giants. And the Giants have a faint hope of uh, coming back in the NL West. The other two teams are closed off. The Cubs, of course, have clinched already. Uh, the Nationals aren't far from clinching. Um, the Dodgers have, have put the Giants in a situation where – uh, they don't control their own destiny anymore. So really, it's the wild card race for those three, and and uh, uh, somebody's going to wind up with heartbreak. So um, you know, from the standpoint of uh, chaos, it's it, it's, cer- it's certainly fun. You could uh, uh, wind up with a couple different scenarios there. Now I'm curious because the playoffs obviously have to start pretty much right after the the regular season. How much time does Major League Baseball really have to to get ex- an extra game or a a tiebreaker in there before it starts to mess with the playoff schedule. Like what does happen if, if you got a couple days, time? you got a couple days there really. I mean, basically if I'm remembering correctly here, uh, okay. The season ends on Sunday, October 2nd. There's no, no scheduled games for Monday. Uh, Tuesday is one wild card game. Wednesday is the other wild card game. What can happen is if you've got a game 163 scenario for a tiebreaker, you play that on the Monday Um and if you have to double, if you have to push the AL wild card so that both wild card games are on the same day, uh, you can do that. Um, after that, it starts to get a little bit dicey. Although there is one more day of slack in the NL, uh, there's no game scheduled for Thursday, uh, October sixth. So they could push that back. The NL division series doesn't doesn't start till Friday. So they do actually have enough leeway. And I mean, there are only so many scenarios. These are you know we're talking about one game playoffs here. Uh, for the tiebreakers and 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 whatever, even if you've got a four t- a four team tie, um, you know that's only two days of games. Uh, it's you know it'll it'll simplify itself pretty quickly. Do you think that Major League Baseball would ever go to a you know most runs scored or record versus opponent or something instead of these these potential um, matchups that will screw no. up the pitching for one team? No, this isn't soccer. Um, you know, I know, and I know they, I know they use goal differential to break to break some ties in soccer. Um, and look, I mean, I think run differential is is great if you're talking about, um, you know, trying to determine strength of team and 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 all those factors. Uh, but it's also, I mean, nobody wants to nobody wants to see a division race or a playoff or a playoff uh, decision decided on run differential. You want to see those two teams settle it on the field, even if there is an imbalance. I mean, baseball has always been about that. I mean, look, we've they've they've done everything they can to make it so the 12th best team uh, or the 10th best team, um, you know, has a has a fighting chance to win uh, to win the World Series. I mean, that's what this is all has all been about over the last uh, uh, 20 years or so. Uh, this this expanded playoff format. So um, I don't see a situation where they would deprive uh, the the so the so-called David of his chance to knock off the Goliath uh, merely on the basis of run differential. Well, I, I think that Greg and I and all the people listening are happy that <laughs> that, that would never happen. Um, now, when we get down to one of these playoff games, I'm just curious which side of the fence you fall on this. Would you be someone who would prefer shorter rosters for games like that so teams can't you know, drop the next four days starter and have a 10 man bullpen with two pinch running specialists? Or do you like the 
extra roster machinations oh, that can mean, play out for the, for the actual wild card game. Yeah, I I can't say I like the way that works. Um, you know, I think I think you should have to set your your roster for the wild card game and the division series at one time. Um, maybe you get an injury freebie there thrown in. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of the expanded rosters. You know, I, I, while I don't have a problem with bringing up the kids, I think that you should be playing the games under, you know, 25-man rules where you can designate 25 active guys. Maybe you're allowed to deactivate last night's starter or something like that um, to give yourself the extra reliever that you're going to take anyway. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I, I think that uh, uh, we've gone far too much to the side of, infinite bullpens and it's just it's a drag to watch it's you know it's it's not only depressing scoring a little bit but i mean that just the endless pitching changes chasing the matchups and and you know there are, there's some managers that abuse it and somebody who spends a lot of time watching the the uh the the dodgers games from the east coast dave roberts is 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 one of the big offenders here in his first year i mean just the parade of guys you know three and four guys in an inning to 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 get through these things. So it's a nightmare. And, uh, um, I, so yeah, no, no 10 men bullpens, please. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're a, a Yankee fan because you let Joe Girardi off the hook. Uh, and you, uh, you singled no, out someone look, else. I, <laughs> I, you know, look, I, I watch a lot of Yankees. I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of far from far removed from the day when I would call myself a fan. Um, you know, being in the press box when you, when you go there, not that I have done it much this year because of, uh, uh, finishing a book and 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 having a, uh, uh, a baby in our family here, um, but uh, Girardi I think has made a hash of uh, uh, of the Yankees' last stand as un- as unlikely as it was with his with his bullpen management uh, was pretty brutal uh, in that Red Sox series. I mean, I, you know, look once you've got you know once you've traded a role as Chapman and Andrew Miller, you don't really have. Uh, nearly the same bullpen. You just can't depend on guys like Tommy Lane and James Pazos to give you the same effect uh, in the middle innings as, as the guys you had bumped from the from the eighth and ninth uh, to give to give you those innings. So Girardi's usually had a very deft touch with with uh, uh, with relievers, but uh, he just doesn't have that right now. So if I want to follow the progress of Team Entropy uh, and uh, possibly try and, and pray that the Blue Jays stay as far away from it as possible uh, contributing mm. to it where would i follow your uh, your updates uh, it's all it's um the articles are on si.com uh i had one last wednesday i had one today uh i think we'll probably do uh next mo- we'll do one uh the next one will probably be monday or sunday um and then uh updates as needed as as the week goes on so uh, si.com you can also follow me on twitter at j J-A-Y underscore Jaffe, J-A-F-F-E. Uh, I'm not hard to find. Um, Google me. I, I will I will answer questions about it when I can uh, as well. So, uh, um, yeah, climb on board the team entry bandwagon, and uh, let's have some fun rooting for chaos. Because <laughs> chaos means more baseball, not less. That's the exactly. underlying it's, it's all thing. About yep. more it's, it's all about more baseball. It's all about having to watch four games at once and, and like – you know, barricade your your door shut so uh, you know so nobody disturbs you because there are a lot more a lot more important things going on uh, uh, on that screen than there are in real life. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jay, and educating us a little about uh, the value of chaos right here at the end of the uh, season. Sure thing, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, uh, good luck in uh, surviving this next uh, week and a half. Thank you very <laughs> thanks. much. Thanks. Bye bye.
is everything you needed to know about the universe's tendency to descend into chaos. Also, playoff baseball. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's just no, no. Blue Jays just win clear, and then they can be <laughs> chaos for the last spot. I don't care about that. Yeah, somebody else can play the tiebreaker before the what is effectively a tiebreaker. Yeah, Baltimore, Houston, <laughs> Seattle. New York, they can all tie for the second wild card. <laughs> Get on up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we do have a couple questions this week, uh, though people seem perhaps de-energized slightly by the, the final extra inning loss in Seattle there. Um, I do find that we get far fewer questions after games like that when it's an afternoon game. Yeah, yeah. The combination of afternoon game and walk-off loss tends to make people skitter away from Twitter, I think, is what the problem. Uh, okay, so we'll talk about that game in the first question, I guess. Dave Church uh, asked us, for a brief shining moment, how great was that Bautista home run? And then Brian A, uh, big underscore B underscore SR, our good friend, said, which player will be the first one to punch Bautista in the face for the backward strut after the game-tying home run versus Seattle? So we have great, but with penalty. <laughs> <laughs> So, for the first part of the question, for the brief shining moment, it was awesome. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't as awesome as, say, last year's because, well, one, it didn't give them the lead. But also, it's just, you know, the way the team is hitting, it's like, okay, they got one. You know, let's see if they can somehow get another one. I mean, that thought is as exciting and cool as it was. That thought is still there. It's like, okay, fine. Let's see if they can somehow score a second run. They scored one in nine. I would argue it was exactly as great as the Tulo Grand Slam the other week. It was a perfectly executed what the team needed in that moment, and then the team couldn't do anything with it afterward. Yeah, there's the Tulo Grand Slam put them ahead. Yeah, and they couldn't hold that lead for any number of outs, practically. But same idea to me. It is, but the Tulo Grand Slam was what, in the fourth or fifth inning? So my least. thought was, can they hold on for another five innings with this bullpen? And the answer was no. Um, <laughs> which player will be the first one to punch Bautista in the face is the second part of the question. Dude, It'll be rooting no door in the ALDS. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. He, he, he won't care that it didn't happen against Seattle. He'll still do it. Hey, hey, Joey. Joey Bats. What was that for? <laughs> A home run against another team. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, what else do we have? We had that So we question. got asked a question. Yeah, yeah this, this came from Joel Wendell. This is obviously spurred on by that incredible inning against the Mariners. Jay's got all nine batters on in a row. Is this rare? Eight hits, one walk, 16 total bases, eight runs. Is that close to best ever? Sadly, Joel, we tried. We really did. And we could not find the answer to how rare that is or how you know where it stands in Jay's history. Apparently, the best ever is 17 in a row. I couldn't find any specific sourcing on that, so not close. But and it was now still I'm, incredible. I'm kind of mad because I would like to know, <laughs> and I can't. I don't. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to write to you, live sports bureau or something like that. Um, there was one notable thing, just well on that on that vein. So they got seven hits in seven straight plate appearances in that inning, and that was the first time that had happened since uh, 2009 for the Blue Jays. So it, it is indeed a rare thing. Mm -hmm. Seven years. 
So, hard to do. Lots of things that Jays do are hard to do. Some of them are good. Some of them not so good. We'll get, we'll get to those later. Uh, so, because we have more questions. Um, well, one question. Uh, what the F from uh, Midasum, Danny Midas? That, that's just the whole question. What the F? I mean, this came... <laughs> We, so we asked for questions right after the loss <laughs> <laughs> where things went a little squirrely shall we say so this is just a nice one three weeks in a row summation of how Jace fans feel about the way they're giving away games at times uh, he did clarify after you asked him uh why can't they score or play defense anymore um i don't i don't think that's really something i'm i have the power to answer i wish i did though at least it would make more sense. The defense has been really, really bad, though. I mean, wow. De- Devin Travis. I love that kid. I do. But he he somehow tried to corral a ball and ended up kicking it into the right field court. <laughs> what? For a triple. But now, triple. <laughs> if How big are your quotation marks around the world word triple when you say that? So I was actually watching that with... Nick Dyka and Mike's son at a bar. And we're just like, so I, mean, I guess it has to be a triple because they didn't give him an error, but really, did he really earn third base there? <laughs> that is, that is a single. You could argue it was an infield single with a two base error in with any scorer who isn't halfway into the sauce or at home. This is not a triple. Nobody triples can't, off you can't an give him a two. You can't give him a two-base error on it because then it's just he should have made the play. I'll give him a three-base error. There's just no... <laughs> he was deep enough. I would say he's deep enough in, in the outfield that it's it would require extraordinary effort for him to pop up and get him at first. Voila. Would have been a single. But kicking it into the corner... Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> over kicking it into the corner. <laughs> You know, and it'd be one thing, if, but it'd be one thing if it was just Travis, right? It's like, well, he's he's hitting unbelievably well. His hitting streak ended today, I believe. But it's not just him. I mean, games? yeah, yeah um, other hitters, or sorry, other players who are historically good defenders have been shaky lately. Donaldson has not been himself. We discussed that. He's hurt. So, okay, at least there's a reason there. Pilar has been really not very good of late. He's misplayed a lot of balls, and he made an error today just by dropping a ball as he was trying to pick it up to throw it. But he's making a lot of strange routes on balls in center. He's catching some, but he's not catching all of them. And this team is 4-3 and three over the past week. Yeah. <laughs> we we rag on them constantly, and they had a winning week. Oh, my goodness. But they, they, they could have been more, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so... Speaking of more, I guess now I would I would uh, mention Mr. Hap, who who we uh, completely glossed over there. He won his twentieth game. He did twenty and four. So twenty twenty wins again. We're not big on wins here, but twenty wins is still special. Whether it's statistically significant or not, I don't know, but it's very special. Uh, he joins a w- wonderful list of Blue Jays players who have won twenty games. Um, so yeah, congratulations, Mr. Hap. We, we probably shouldn't have glossed over that at the first because you are one of the reasons this team is where it is. Yeah. Little, little yeah. Little I mean, the, the three starters for the Jays in this game, they're the, the, when I'm, earlier today, when I thought you were going to talk about the big three, <laughs> they were See, all great. 
Yeah. Estrada, we, we well, he didn't give up a run. Sanchez gave up one run through six. And Hap gave up two runs that were both, I mean, uh, Travis booted two balls in the innings that neither was ruled an error. And those are the two runs that scored. I mean, he, he was, all three pitchers were excellent and happened all year. Yeah. With the so, exception of a little brief spell for Estrada, but we touch on that. A brief spell. I like that. He downplayed that beautifully. Uh, uh, okay. So I was going to uh, go to our play of the week, and then I realized we don't actually do a feature that's a play of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's disingenuous of me. Um, I Whatever. Just, this was worth it. Oh, totally. It's the play of the week. <laughs> so the play of the week is Rick Porcello hit... Manny Machado. Now, that's not actually the the important part of the play. The important part was Manny Machado got deeply offended and did the stare down and yak at Porcello as he walks down to first base. To which uh, Rick was a little miffed. He was so miffed, he actually turned towards the camera, fortunately, and towards Machado and said, I quote, you can read his lips. I'm not trying to hit you, bro. Why would I want to hit you with that MF and he's pointing at Trumbo coming up? <laughs> so totally putting him in his place. It was beautiful. Yeah, and you missed the next line. It's so just get the bleeps out. Because you it doesn't it loses its effect with your censoring yourself. He's like, why would I want to hit you with that <laughs> up? Use your head. <laughs> oh, I engaged the bleep machine. Yeah, so yeah, dear Manny Machado, you're not that good. That's Rick Porcello telling you, if you didn't notice. It's just, uh, yeah, reality check, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just funny. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no tip of the cap, no anything. Just awfully candid. You don't get that kind of candid right on the field. Usually there's, you know, all that back and forth. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. What are you thinking? Oh, my goodness. I think we have covered an entire uh, week, more or less, in Blue Jays baseball. Have we? Yeah. Um, just one, one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, in that game, the the beginning, Saunders and, and Martin were the first, became the first Canadian duo ever with 20 home runs. Little little light applause there. Yes, after earlier in the season, becoming the first Canadian duo to hit home runs in the same inning. A little uh, clap, 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 clap. Yeah, I mean, it, even though Saunders has been eh, in the second half, it has worked out pretty well <laughs> for the Blue Jays. Maybe they won't have to offer him a qualifying offer. Works out for everybody. Yay! Um, that was a nice thought. Was that your official final thought, or do I get to ask you for a final thought still? I have one, but you can go first this time. So the Blue Jays, in the weird and wild season that they have had, had... 17 solo home runs in a row earlier in the season, which is absurdly weird, to be perfectly honest. How do you hit 17 home runs in a row without anybody on base? But they decided that that seemed like such fun that just in this series, they got up to 17 consecutive doubles with nobody on base. So you don't call them solo doubles, but... They broke that streak in the inning where literally everybody got on base and Edwin Encarnacion hit a double. It was the 18th in the series, finally had someone to drive in. So if you wonder why this team... It wasn't in the series. They did not have 17 doubles in the series. 
in the sequence of 17 doubles. The 18. Yeah, just make that clear. Like, yeah. it's like not like in the four game set, they hit 17 doubles. But the 18th was in the midst of an inning where they literally could not stop getting on base. And that's the only way they managed to hit a double with a man on. Very weird. But it explains a lot about how this team's weird season is gone. Credit to the road guy for keeping track as well as James and T.O. Yeah, yeah, it's just been like that. It doesn't even and, make sense. Well, yeah, it's like earlier in the season, right? They had the 17 consecutive solo homers. I mean... doesn't make sense either. No. <laughs> Both team records. Um, yeah. <laughs> Your final so, you know, My final thought. Brett Cecil should just not warm up in the eighth inning. See, Gibby calls down and gets Cecil up. He should just stay on the seat. Is it like a protest? Well, no. It's just every time. This happened three or four times on this road, in, in this uh, seven-game road trip. But the eighth inning, Grilly would be pitching. And there'd be some lefties coming up. So it'd be like, Cecil, get up. And then Osuna would get up next to him. The lefties would come up, and then he'd go to Osuna. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like Cecil's only warming up if they blow a three-run lead or something like that. It's like, why bother? Just stay seated. Yeah, I, I think Gibbons has just not come to terms with how he wants to use Brett Cecil anymore. Yeah. I mean, they talked. The funny thing is they talked before the Seattle series about, you know, they're, they're going to increase... Cecil's workload and you know decrease Biagini's a bit, and then they did the same thing in the first game of the series. Ah, uh, there's a lot of same thing about the Blue Jays. A lot of same thing and a lot of not quite. And, and sorry, I have one more thing. We do have a do-over. Oh, we do. You. Me. You said you were going to give yourself a do-over for some errors on our podcast last week. Oh yes. I regret. Uh, now, did did the new version go up? It was not working properly. It wouldn't go up. Okay. I regret um, accidentally muting uh, Josh, <laughs> 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 laughing at himself. So as a result, he was laughing at silence. Um, yeah, you and the two of us are just sitting here for like a minute and a half, <laughs> reacting to nothing. <laughs> I assure you that wasn't intentional. I apologize. It won't happen again. Well, it won't happen again this podcast, but. You know, maybe a few down the line. <laughs> we'll see if those things that I said were bleeped out are actually bleeped out. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, I would have to say that uh, you have been uh, Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And our guest was Jay Jaffe of SI.com at J underscore Jaffe. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars number 30 and we will see you next week